Come away, come away, death, and in sad cypress let me be laid. Fly away, fly away, breath. I am slain by a fair, cruel maid. My shroud of white stuck all with you, O、oh, prepare it. My part of death, no one so true, did share it. By William Shakespeare. Prologue. Eleanor Catherine Carlyle, you stand charged upon this indictment with the murder of Mary Gerard upon the twenty seventh of July last. Are you guilty or not guilty? Eleanor Carlyle stood very straight, her head raised. It was a graceful head, the modelling of the bones sharp and well defined. The eyes were a deep, vivid blue. The hair black. The brows had been plucked to a faint, thin line. There was a silence, quite a noticeable silence. Sir Edwin Bulmer, counsel for the defence, felt a thrill of dismay. He thought, "My God, she's going to plead guilty. She's lost her nerve." Eleanor Carlyle's lips parted. She said, "Not guilty." Counsel for the defence sank back. He passed a handkerchief over his brow, realizing that it had been a near shave. Sir Samuel Attenbury was on his feet, outlining the case for the Crown.、Uh, may it please your lordship, gentlemen of the jury, on the twenty seventh of July at half past three in the afternoon, Mary Gerard died at Hunterbury, Maidensford. His voice ran on, sonorous and pleasing to the ear. It lulled Eleanor almost into unconsciousness. From the simple and concise narrative, only an occasional phrase seeped through to her conscious mind. Case a peculiar, simple, and straightforward one. It is the duty of the crown. Prove motive and opportunity. No one, as far as can be seen, had any motive to kill this unfortunate girl, Mary Gerard, except the accused, a young girl of a charming disposition, liked by everybody. Without one, would have said an enemy in the world. Mary, Mary Gerard. How far away it all seemed now! Not real any longer. Your attention will be particularly directed to the following considerations: one, what opportunities and means had the accused for administering poison? Two, what motive had she for so doing? It will be my duty to call before you witnesses who can help you to form a true conclusion on these matters. As regards the poisoning of Mary Gerard. I shall endeavour to show you that no one had any opportunity to commit this crime except the accused. Eleanor felt as though imprisoned in a thick mist. Detached words came drifting through the fog: sandwiches, fish paste, empty house. The words stabbed through the thick, enveloping blanket of Eleanor's thoughts, pinpricks through a heavy, muffling veil. The court, faces. Rows and rows of faces. One particular face with a big black moustache and shrewd eyes. Hercule Poirot, his head a little on one side, his eyes thoughtful, was watching her. She thought, "He's trying to see just exactly why I did it. He's trying to get inside my head to see what I thought, what I felt." Felt. A little blur, a slight sense of shock. 
Roddy's face, his dear, dear face, with its long nose, its sensitive mouth. Roddy, always Roddy. Always, ever since she could remember. Since those days at Hunterbury, amongst the raspberries and up in the warren and down by the brook. Roddy, Roddy, Roddy. Other faces. Nurse O'Brien, her mouth slightly open, her freckled, fresh face thrust forward. Nurse Hopkins, looking smug, smug and implacable. Peter Lord's face. Peter Lord, so kind, so sensible, so, so comforting. But looking now, what was it? Lost? Yes, lost. Minding, minding all this frightfully while she herself, the star performer, didn't mind at all. Here she was, quite calm and cold, standing in the dock, accused of murder. She was in court. Something stirred. The folds of blanket round her brain lightened, became mere wreaths. In court! People! People leaning forward, their lips parted a little, their eyes agog, staring at her, her Eleanor, with a horrible ghoulish enjoyment, listening with a kind of slow, cruel relish to what that tall man with the Jewish nose was saying about her. The facts in this case are extremely easy to follow and are not in dispute. I shall put them before you quite simply. From the very beginning, Eleanor thought, the beginning, the beginning? The day that horrible anonymous letter came, that was the beginning of it. Part One Chapter One An Anonymous Letter Eleanor Carlyle stood looking down at it as it lay open in her hand. She had never had such a thing before. It gave one an unpleasant sensation. Ill-written, badly spelt, on cheap pink paper. This is to warn you, it ran. I'm naming no names, but there's someone sucking up to your aunt, and if you're not careful, oh, spelt with a K, you'll get cut out of everything. Girls are very artful, and old ladies is soft. When young ones suck up to them and flatter them, what I say is you'd best come down and see for yourself what's going on. It's not right you and the young gentleman should be done out of what's yours. And she's very artful, and the old lady might pop off at any time. Well-wisher. Eleanor was still staring at this missive, her plucked brows drawn together in distaste when the door opened. The maid announced, Mr. Wellman and Roddy came in. Roddy. As always when she saw Roddy, Eleanor was conscious of a slightly giddy feeling, a throb of sudden pleasure, a feeling that it was incumbent upon her to be very matter-of-fact and unemotional, because it was so very obvious that Roddy, although he loved her, didn't feel about her the way she felt about him. The first sight of him did something to her, twisted her heart round so that it almost hurt. Absurd that a man, an ordinary, yes, a perfectly ordinary young man, should be able to do that to one. That the mere look of him should set the world spinning, that his voice should make you want just a little to cry. Love surely should be a pleasurable emotion, not something that hurt you by its intensity. One thing was clear— one must be very, very careful to be 
offhand and casual about it all. Men didn't like devotion and adoration. Certainly Roddy didn't. She said lightly, Hello, Roddy. Roddy said, Hello, darling. You're looking very tragic. Is it a bill? Eleanor shook her head. Roddy said, I thought it might be midsummer, you know, when the fairies dance and the accounts rendered come tripping along. Eleanor said, It's rather horrid. It's an anonymous letter. Roddy's brows went up. His keen, fastidious face stiffened and changed. He said, A sharp, disgusted exclamation, No! Eleanor said again, It's rather horrid. She moved a step towards her desk. I'd better tear it up, I suppose. She could have done that. She almost did. For Roddy and anonymous letters were two things that ought not to come together. She might have thrown it away and thought no more about it. He would not have stopped her. His fastidiousness was far more strongly developed than his curiosity. But on impulse, Eleanor decided differently. She said, Perhaps, though, you had better read it first. Then we'll burn it. It's about Aunt Laura. Roddy's eyebrows rose in surprise. Aunt Laura? He took the letter, read it, gave a frown of distaste, and handed it back. Yes, he said, definitely to be burnt. How extraordinary people are. Eleanor said, One of the servants, do you think? I suppose so, he hesitated. I wonder who, who the person is, the one they mention. Eleanor said thoughtfully, It must be Mary Gerard, I think. 